This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Kim Grinnell to Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. Spring football 2021 begins at 8.30 on Wednesday morning, and they've opened it up to some fans. And you guys, how did they – you have to go online and apply for that? Did you guys, did you guys look through that, that carefully to see what's necessary to attend a practice? Yeah, I mean, they've got to go yep. through the, the same kind of process that actually we do, uh, but they, they have to RSVP. They actually have to get a ticket which is kind of crazy, but um, because the, the seating is going to be limited. Um, they haven't really specified, like, the complete number of fans that are going to be available. I think they're probably trying to keep that a little under wraps so that they don't necessarily have to worry about butting up against a certain number. But um, obviously it's because of the of King County and everything else. They've got to, you know, stay in line with what, you know, similar things that are going on and, and with the Mariners and all that kind of stuff too. So, um, yeah. but yeah, you can, we have a story on our front page. You can go on there and then you can click on and they have, um, a form that you have to fill out. And like I said, it's similar to when the, 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 when the media has to do it so that they, uh, make sure that everyone there is at least not having any symptoms and right. is as healthy as they can reasonably make it. And keep in mind, these are not UW guidelines. These are county guidelines. And from my understanding, they've been working with the county quite a bit to try to get this through. And it's not a matter of just opening the doors. There's a lot of guidelines and all kinds of stuff that they have to go through. So, uh, yeah, we won't, <laughs> it's just, they haven't made it easy. Let's just put it that way, but it'll be good to see fans back in the stands. And, you know, the weather looks like, you know, for the next week or so, it's going to be mostly nice, expecting a little bit of rain tomorrow, but, uh, you know, mostly nice. But, you know, Chris, we had a chance and, um, I know that the meeting we had yesterday with Jimmy Lake was off the record, but we had a chance to get a little background stuff and, you know, the, um, the thing that I don't think he would mind us talking about was, you know, he went over the offense a little bit with us, you know, so we'd have a little bit more of a clear understanding of uh, what a pro-style offense is, you know, just within the guidelines that they set for the meeting yesterday. Anything that jumped out at you about that part of the conversation that they wouldn't mind us sharing with the public? Well, no, I mean, it. I, I just think that he wants people to understand that it's, as much of a pass offense as it is a run offense. And, and I just think that when, you know, he, he wears the hat that run the damn ball hat and things like that, I think there's obviously the perception that's out there that they're running some sort of dinosaur offense or, you know, that it's, it's a situation where, you know, Nick Saban's talking about having to evolve and they're going to three and four uh, wide receiver sets, but you know, Steve Sarkeesian, he coached in the pros as well. They're running a pro style offense, just like Washington is. They're just doing it in a little different way. And so I think he just, I think he wanted to, to get it out there kind of 
the the fundamentals of the kind of pro style offense that they run, which you know essentially to me always a pro style offense. I don't know about you guys, but a pro style offense to me was always about balance, and it was always about having the ability to run or pass in any given play. So I would say that everything that he showed us wasn't necessarily groundbreaking or new to me, but it was nice to see a little bit of the nuance that he was talking about. But the general idea of the kind of what a pro style offense is wasn't, it, it wasn't new to me. I thought it was the most interesting comment of the day was when, uh, you know, somebody brought up him wearing the throw the damn ball hat and you said, looking back, would you do it again? And what did he say, Chris? Well, the interesting thing I, I think I would take from that is that he really feels like that wasn't a, a deal where they were emphasizing the run. He was dealing with it more as a mentality and more as like he wants his guys in, in all three phases to just be really tough. And he wants them to have, you know, a tough mindset as well as being physically aggressive and tough. And so I think that's what he was trying to get across. Whereas I think most people, again, I think the perception was run the damn ball means they're going to do it without throwing the ball. And, you know, really what Washington fans should understand is, is that when Washington lines up to run a play, they're running a play that will be either a run play or a pass play based on what the defense shows them and that they can adjust to it. They can, they can turn a, a good play into an even better play, or they can turn a bad play, which based on what the defense is showing they can check out of it and turn it into a good play. And, you know, for the most part, it, it, it sounds like Dylan Morris yeah. did a really good job of, of, of turning what could have been bad plays into good plays by checking. Well, the answer to the question was, would you wear the hat again? And he, the answer to the question was absolutely. But Scott, if you remember, he wore that before the Arizona game. And then, you know, uh, Dylan Morris comes out and throws the ball all over the field the first quarter. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say he threw it all over the field, but they did throw it a little bit more than they did against Oregon State. But, yeah, I mean, people just made way too much of the run the damn ball uh, hat. I mean, it's just, you know, they take that as, oh, well, that just means we're not going to throw it around and receivers are going to have, you know, not have opportunities and things like that. That's just not the case. Uh, I think that was a huge troll job by Jimmy Lake, and yeah. and uh, I, I, don't, I don't think – I, you and Chris and I have said this more than than anyone in any in any regard who covers this program. In that we we were like we're like we don't even know what this offense is. We saw four games with a quarterback who had never taken a snap at the collegiate level. They're, they weren't going to open it up and have this huge let's throw it all over the yard kind of thing. It, it's just and run these exotic formations and, and get matchups and all that different stuff. <clears throat> they were going to run the ball. They were going to rely on a, an experienced offensive line. They were going to re- rely on an experienced group of tailbacks and and you know take the air out of the ball and take and and chew clock and and try to possess the ball as much as they could. And they, for the most part, they did that. And I, I just don't understand how anybody watching this with any sort of, with any sort of just medium level of knowledge of football could say that this team is only going to run the ball and, and it's going to be, you know, three, 
tight end sets. How you can say that you know that. You don't know it because we just haven't seen enough. And what I took from the whole thing was, you know, the run the damn ball. I mean, if you really want to narrow it down and just make it simplistic, what does it really mean? It means third and two, third and three that you're able to run the football and you're a tough enough football team where you don't have to spread it out wide and throw the football to get two yards. You know, they want to run the football when those hard yards are needed and be able to get those. But, you know, when we were able to see, you know, the formations that are running and the decisions that Dylan Morris is making, because a lot of the plays that they're running, depending on what they're being shown, they can run or pass the ball. And it's up to Dylan to make those decisions. And evidently he made a lot of the right decisions. But, um, you know, I, I, like I said, I think that, you know, we've only seen a small portion of the playbook. Small, small, small portion. You know, first year quarterback, he's not going to have the whole playbook open to him and four games and one of them was in just diabolical weather, you know, a downpour rainstorm. I don't think we got to see a whole lot. So, um, you know, it's going to be interesting in the, um, upcoming weeks to see what we're able to see with this offense and, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, the story is always when you don't have a returning quarterback like a Jake Browning or somebody that you know is going to be the starter, um, attention is always going to be back on the quarterback. But with Dylan Moore starting last year, they've got two incoming guys, one from Colorado State and, you know, the number one quarterback in the country. So, Scott, that's definitely something we're going to keep our eye on tomorrow. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, Dylan Morris is going to come out and get the snaps of the first unit, but that doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. In the long, yeah, it doesn't matter in the long run. I mean, these quarterbacks, I would, I would bet, will get pretty equal reps between the three of them to see who's the best guy. They'll probably start fall camp that way too. Maybe the first week, maybe even the first two weeks. But then as things kind of ramp up, get closer to the start of the season, you'll see one quarterback taking more of the reps in practice. And the more we see that, the more we'll kind of know where things are going. I still am in the camp that unless Dylan Morris really just isn't able to get it done, I think he's going to be your starter opening day. But I think you could see Washington using a three quarterback rotation, getting guys in, getting Heward in there, getting, um, O'Brien in there at different times to get them reps with the, with the first unit and, uh, and, and during games so that if Dylan Morris goes down, I mean, how many teams make it through a season without the quarter, with, with their starting quarterback starting every game? It's very small percentage. I would bet it's less than 10% of the country has the same quarterback start every game of the season. It, it just, it doesn't happen. Uh, Trevor Lawrence didn't start every game. DJ Angulele ended up starting, starting a game for, uh, Clemson last season. So, you know, it, it just, it, it's very rare for that to happen. And I think Heward and O'Brien need to get some reps with practice. And if it's one of those guys as the starter, then Morris has to get reps as well, just to get that feel and, and get the, get the quality reps, not just the garbage time reps. And Chris, when you take a look at those quarterbacks, of course, Dylan Morris and uh, Sam Heward are going to get most of the attention, but Patrick O'Brien, the transfer in from Colorado State, He's a big dude. He's 6'5", 235. Um, he's quite a bit larger than the other two quarterbacks, and he's played a lot of college football. He has, and he actually played or, or committed and signed initially with Colorado. Or not Colorado, but Nebraska, excuse me. And then um, spent a couple years at Nebraska and then transferred over to Colorado State, where he was the starting quarterback there for two seasons. So we're starting to to get a sense of the kind of 
playmaker or quarterback that that John Donovan wants to see running this particular type of offense. Um, you're just seeing it with two very different body types because Dylan Morris and Sam Heward are, are kind of that six foot six one, 190 to 200 pound can probably have a little bit more escapability, elusiveness in the pocket. But then you've got Patrick O'Brien, who who has his own kind of style when it comes to um, having some elusiveness. But at 235, he's going to remind people a lot more of Jacob Sermon. Or not Jacob, well, Jacob Sermon and uh, Jacob Eason in terms of just that tall guy that stands in the pocket that can gun it around. And he's obviously had success at two different um you know, division one schools. So I think it's going to be very interesting because as a grad transfer, if he has any hopes of, of trying to attract some interest in, in being a professional, he's going to want to come in from the, from the first day and really put his stamp on things and, and show that he's not just there to, to fill a roster spot. And, and he wants to really contribute to this program as, as best he can. So, uh, yeah, it could be a legitimate three horse race when it's all said and done, but, like Scott said, I mean, you know, Dylan Morris is going to get the first reps, and we'll certainly see how things go from there. With the um, Os- um, Austin Osborne leaving and Puka Nakua leaving, did Marquis Spiker has he actually announced that he's left the program? Yes, yes, has- yes on on uh, Twitter. Okay, yeah, uh, losing losing three wide receivers. The wide receiver room is going to be a little bit slight, but also I expect it to be very talented, Scott. They've got some Actually, dudes they've in lost, there. Actually, they've lost five, five yeah. guys from last year that should that should still be here right now. Um, you know, you, you've got Nakua, Ty Jones, Jordan Chin, who granted wasn't a huge factor in the rotation, but was still there. And then Marquise Spiker and, and Austin Osborne. So, um, you know, Washington brought in one of their own transfers and, and, uh, we're hearing some rumors. Another one could be enroll, uh, could be, I don't know about enrolling for spring ball, but definitely could be on hand here pretty soon as well. So just keep an eye out for that. But, uh, definitely, um, you know, I, the, the wide receiver position is going to be real interesting to me to see how things kind of play out. Terrell Bynum's the gray beard, if it's, if, if you will, will and, and he's going to be the leader of that that group. But you've got some real talented guys in uh, Jalen McMillan and Romo Dunsey. You've got Sawyer Racanelli. You've got uh, Jabez Today, who isn't coming in until until the summer. But uh, you've got some guys that that can make plays and and are big receivers, and they're going to be getting a lot of reps this spring. And uh, that's what's going to be real interesting to see is how these guys handle all those reps. So the nice thing is. They're going to get rep upon rep upon rep upon rep, and you're going to see who's going to be able to separate themselves and, and make sure that they're they're the guys that are going to be able to get the time. Chris, when you take a look at that wide receiver room, is there one that you kind of gravitate towards that you're really intrigued to see if they step up? Sure, yeah, Jalen Polk. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, if you go to to a place like Texas Tech, who ever since the, the Mike Leach days have been known for chucking the ball all over the place with four and five receiver sets. And this guy comes in as a true freshman and has 20 plus catches and plays in 10 games. And, and basically that's a free roll because for people that, that don't uh, understand, you know, everybody was on pause in terms of eligibility for the 2020 season. That was throughout college football. So Jalen Polk, he was a true freshman at Texas Tech. He's going to be a true freshman at Washington this fall too. So 
I'm going to be very curious to see how he fits in. He's one of those bigger guys. He's, you know, he's a, uh, I don't know if he's exactly like Ty Jones, but he could certainly, uh, be more in that, you know, Marcus Spiker role at 6'2, 190. Um, but again, with that kind of production at a place like Texas Tech, I'm super intrigued to see how he fits in right away. Cause, you know, I don't typically with, with transfers, and I don't know how you guys feel about it, but t- typically with transfers, I, I expect them to kind of go through a year of growing pains because there's so much going on off the field that they have to get used to and kind of acclimatized to, you know, with school and the social aspect right. and everything else. So if he hits the ground running, I think it could be phenomenal in 2021. He could be um, challenging Terrell Bynum for, for being the top receiver uh, in this rec- in this receiving core. And Scott, when you take a look at that wide receiver room, why it, it may be a little bit thin compared to where it has been in the past in terms of numbers. With the game evolving like it is, the tight end position has become huge, and you don't have to put that tight end on the end of the line. You can split them out a little bit wider. And when you take a look at that wide receiver room, there's some real intriguing prospects for ca- um, you know uh, guys to catch the ball, not only with you know, one of the top in the country in Kate Otten. But you got Mason West at, you know, 6'4", 225. You've got a guy that came in as a highly touted tight end and Mark Redmond at 6'6", and 245. And then the guy who might be the most athletic of the group of all, Devin Culp, who had a couple of nice catches last year. So the pass-catching ability, you know, uh, kind of sticks out with some of those guys as well. Yeah, and you didn't even mention Quentin Moore from right. uh, junior college that uh, came here in, in December, well, January, and, and has been on campus and working out and doing his thing, too. And he's a big athletic guy that if he had grades, he would have been one of the highest recruited guys out of the state in 20, what was that, 2019, I think, 2019 class. So, uh, yeah, very talented kid. Um, they've got a loaded group. Um, Caden Jumper is another one that, that is on campus already. He's going to be a guy who will, who will get some reps and, and get some chances to make plays. But yeah, I, of that group that you mentioned, Mark Redman is obviously the one that I think has a chance to be, you know, kind of the true backup to Kate Otten because he's going to be that physical blocker, but also be able to get down the field. He's got that length that you're looking for at tight end. Quentin Moore, I think, is a guy you're going to be able to split out like you're in, in, uh, intimating Kim and, and talking about that, that you, you can move the tight ends around and put them in different spots. But Devin Culp is a kid that I am really intrigued to look at. Jack Westover also is another one in the mix as well, too. So lots of different bodies, lots of different skill sets, lots of different things that these guys can add to the offense and make it more multiple, make it more, um, you know, uh, just a, a group of guys that, that can can do a lot of different things for you. They can be blockers. They can be end of the line blockers. They can be lead blockers as, as H backs. They can also uh, go out and split out and make some plays. And, and uh, I think that's exciting. And, and where this offense goes uh, will be behind a lot of what they'll, they'll kind of do their best to figure out what these guys can do and put them in situations where they can have success. And Chris, do you get the feeling like I do a little bit taking a look at, you know, not having as many, not having the quantity of wide receivers and looking at the quality of the tight ends that you may see more balls to the tight end this year than we have in the past? Well, I think it's going to be hard to ignore. And again, with the pro style attack, it's up to Dylan Morris to find the the, the open receiver. And a lot of times the open receiver is going to be the guy who can get the separation and, and, and find the open seams and find those holes in the zones. And a lot of times last year, that was Kate Otten. 
And th- so there's no reason to, 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 to really dig any deeper as to why Kate Otten was the leading receiver last year. He became the, the kind of security blanket for Dylan Morris because he was getting open and he could catch the ball and he, and he caught the ball, whether it was over his head, whether it was a really just a tight throw, like that, that, that game winning throw against Utah. You know, he's running, uh, you know, Dylan Morris is running to the left and he's a right-handed quarterback. And so he's having to throw across his body and he's just throwing that dart right across the middle. And Kate Otten's coming through it and caught it with two hands in stride. And, and it was just a snag. And so, yeah, I mean, if, if, if those guys are the guys that are open, you got to get it to them. And, you know, there, there is going to be some guys that are coming through. Um, you know, whether or not you talk about a Westover or a Culp or, or a West or a Redmond, um, it's going to be really, really interesting. And, and one name I want to add is that, you know, we also see a lot of guys that are arriving early, whether they're winter enrollees or spring enrollees. And there's a kid named Wilson Schwartz, who's a tight end walk on who fits the profile of maybe being the next Jack Westover. You know, he's about the same size and he started his high school career as a basketball player and turned to football really late in his career. It, he, he kind of almost is following the exact same profile. He's a big-time athlete who um, just happened to get into football late. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what uh, what 82 might do this spring. And then we t- move over to the offensive line, guys, and uh, almost everybody returns. That's going to be a talented, deep offensive line. And when Jimmy Lake's talking about running the football and you need to be able to get that short yardage on third and short, you got the guys up front to do it, Scott. Yeah, you do. You definitely do. And, and, um, you know, getting Luke Wattenberg and, and, um, Jackson Kirkland back is huge. Uh, those are two of the key positions along the offensive line, left tackle, center, um, a lot of people thought Miles Murrow would be that guy who could take over and, and play center, but uh, you know I think Wattenberg's going to have that on lockdown for at least one more year, and uh, I, I should say just one more year. Sorry, and you know it's it's what's great is the amount of time those guys got during the the fall with four games plus the practices that they had plus the spring practices they'll have off season this year and then fall camp practices as we head into the season, that's just going to be huge for that offensive line with Kirkland at left tackle, Wattenberg at center. You've got uh, left guard MJ Ale, who needs a, still needs a ton of reps, but he's got great upside. You've got Henry Benavalu, who's arguably the most talented offensive lineman in the program right now and could be you know, a top five guy ever in the program from a talent standpoint. And then Vic Kern, who doesn't fit that profile of a offensive tackle, but at 6'3", 295, whatever he is, 300, you know, he's, he's just a big guy who can, who can, you know, has the footwork and, and stuff that you're looking for at, at right, at right tackle. And, and, um, man, I'm just excited to see what this offensive line can do now that they've got a year in this system and a year together and uh, see what they look like because I think this offensive line can be pretty special. Chris, when you take a look at that center position, it just seems like what, what Washington has been doing, you know, going back to Coleman Shelton and then Nick Harris and now uh, Luke Wattenberg, is they've got these guys that are playing multiple positions along the offensive line, and then they've got enough game experience, and then they just move them over to center and uh, with a lot of playing time. And Luke Wattenberg definitely fits that bill as well. He does, and, um, you know, I know 
everyone's going to be thinking that getting Jackson Kirkland to stay for one more season was probably the real coup of the offensive line. And, and I get that. And you could certainly make a, a compelling argument that way, but getting Luke Wattenberg to stay one more season, uh, I think is a real coup, not just for him, because now you get a full season of playing uh center, a new position for him relatively, relatively, but then, it also creates that continuity that Scott was talking about, that consistency, that, that group of five that, yeah, they only played four games together last year, but they had the entire uh, season to kind of gel, uh, gel together to kind of create the communication that you have to have along the offensive line in order to be successful. So I think it's, it's monstrous that he was able to stay. Now the only downside to that is if you want to say it's a downside is that they brought in a guy in miles morale to be specifically the guy to take over for Luke Wattenberg after the 2020 season because it was assumed Washington would play a full season. And without that doing that, has that kind of stagnated Miles Morale a little bit? Or are we going to see a legitimate position battle here this spring? I think that's something that uh, I'm very curious to watch uh, starting Wednesday to see how that uh, that all unfolds. Yeah, and just one quick note about Luke Wattenberg. Every time there's an academic story about the football team, Luke Wattenberg is always near the top of that. A really bright kid who's getting it done in the classroom as well. Um, the running back stables, um, you know, with uh, Kamari Pleasant and Sean McGrew and Cam Davis and Richard Newton, now the addition of Caleb Berry. They've got that room stacked. Do you expect them to, you know, rotate guys in as much as they did last year, Scott? You know, I really like the group. Um, I don't think we're going to see quite the rotation that we did last year. I think Washington wants to get some of these younger guys some more reps. I think uh, Kamari Pleasant and Sean McGrew, we already know what they are. You know, we know who those guys are in this offense. I think Washington wants to see more from uh, Richard Newton, Cam Davis. I think they want to get uh, JV on Sunday some reps. Caleb Berry, obviously, like you mentioned, Kim and Sam Adams. Those guys all need reps. They all need they all need chances to get some plays and and uh, see what they can do with it. So while I don't think Sean McGrew and Kamari Pleasant won't see some action, I think this I think spring is when you're going to see those guys get a lot of reps because I think the coaches already know what they have in McGrew and, and Pleasant. I also think that that could be a position, you know, depending on how spring goes, we could see some attrition um, after spring ball. But I'm kind of on the on the train that I think you're going to see a lot more of Richard Newton this year. I don't know. How do you feel about that position shaking out, Chris? Uh, I do think we'll see more of Richard Newton. I also think with seven legitimate, you know, scholarship guys there, when you add in not just Caleb Berry, but as Scott said, JV on Sunday, you got Sam Adams. You know, not only is there potential for attrition, as you mentioned, Kim, but I think there's also a potential maybe for a position switch. So we'll see how that all works out because – I'm certainly not going to add any speculation to it, but we know that a couple of those guys were pretty good two-way players um, coming out of high school and were recruited for both sides. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, a lot of it depends on, on how thirsty these guys are to just get on the field. doesn't matter where they play. I mean, and we've seen position switches in the past at Washington that have worked out phenomenally well, whether you look at Kayla McGarry or you look at Will Disley, um, you know, we've seen Alex Cook, you know, move from receiver to, to safety and he's played a bunch at safety. So, uh, we'll see what happens. But yeah, with seven guys that in a, in a loaded, loaded stable, as Keith Bonifaw would say, um, 
it's going to be very interesting to see how he divvies up the turns and because right. there's going to be some guys that really, really need it. And then there's other guys, cause you have the four guys that played last year. How much do they really need it? I mean, they, because they, they need it for the offense as much as anything. So I think there's a couple things that are really at play here that are going to kind of dictate how these, uh, how these reps are going to be divvied up. And, uh, Scott, you know, there was a lot of questions about Richard Newton. You know, he, uh, he started off the season with a bang and he didn't play a lot towards the end of the year, but you know, a lot of people wondering what that was and just, you know, I, I'm sure you're hearing the same things I'm hearing that, uh, he just wasn't getting it done, you know, where he needed to at practice and some other off the field stuff. So, um, you know, everything I'm hearing is expect a different version of Rich, Richard Newton this year. Yeah, and that's what I've been telling people. I said I uh, everything that I've heard is that he's a guy who who didn't who wasn't doing what he needed to do and and he was a healthy see so you said he didn't play a lot down the stretch. He didn't play at all the last two games. He he had the big run against Arizona in garbage time and and uh was getting regular carries with the first unit. Um, you know, maybe I think he was on the lower end of the of the rung there um behind Pleasant and McGrew, but um then we just didn't even see him and he was healthy. He was a healthy scratch for those final two games. And it turned out he wasn't doing what he needed to do, but guess what? That motivated him. I know a lot of people complain about it and, and having hard, hard and fast rules and things like that. But sometimes you just got to have that tough love and, and it brings out the best in guys. And that's what's happening. Lots of changes going on on the defensive side of the ball as well. We'll return after a word from our sponsors. It's the guys from dogman.com on Dogman Radio. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We're back. It's the guys from dogman.com. I'm Kim Grenolds with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. It is the guys from dogman.com on Dogman Radio. Spring Balls 2021 starts Wednesday morning, 8.30. Practice will pretty much be from here on out. Um, it'll be this Wednesday, then Friday, Saturday. And then for the next three weeks, it will be Monday, Wednesday, Friday from 8.30 to 10.30, and then Saturdays from 10.30 to 12.30. So open to the fans. Take a look at the front page article on the site. Get information about how you can attend practice. And just a reminder for those who are not current subscribers, we're running a great deal right now at dogman.com, 50% off of your annual subscription and then in addition, you get free access to Paramount Plus, which used to be CBS All Access. So, you know, if you're subscribing to dogman.com, just 
Tell your wife, significant other, that you bought them a gift and Paramount Plus. Dogman.com comes with it free. So I don't know if it's legal to say that or not, but uh, it's a good promotion. But when we take a look at the defensive side of the ball, defensive line was a little bit young last year, but uh, with everybody coming back, expecting that to be a lot stronger position, Scott. Yeah, the the defensive line I I think is is a group that that really struggled last year. I mean, without Levi Anzarike, a guy that was kind of the heart and soul of that defensive line, I I just I you know, and then Tuli didn't play I think in the first couple of games and played in the last two or whatever it was and and wasn't a hundred percent. So um, I think I think uh, an off season of being able to heal up and get ready for everything, I think, is going to do wonders for that group. Um, they've got some talented guys. They've got Fautui Tuatelli and Jacob Bandis, who both got reps last year. Um, I'm real interested to see what uh, Kuo Pehapa is able to do and Void Tanufi, the two new guys who enrolled early. By the way, Washington had 10 guys show up early. This is a record. Guys, 10 guys enroll early in time that are scholarship guys ready to enroll at the University of Washington. So that's pretty impressive. Uh, first time they've had that kind of a group of guys, um, show up. So, um, but yeah, the defensive line has a lot of moving parts, a lot of different guys that I, I think Leatu Latu and, and Ryan Bowman will also get some reps inside because of their size and their ability to handle blockers and, and everything like that. So, um, lots of different moving parts. I think Tuli led to Lucasanoa and Sam Taimani will be your starters, but Man, they've got a lot of parts behind them. Fatui Tuatelli is going to be tough to keep off the field. Jacob Bandis, I've heard, has had a really good offseason. So real interested to see what those guys look like this spring. And, and Chris, when you take a look at Thule and Taki getting all the publicity and ever, the, the names that everybody knows, Jacob Bandis and uh, Fatui Tuatelli were two highly, highly touted kids coming in um, in their recruiting class. And this might be the time for one of those two or both of those guys to break out. They need to, for sure. Yeah, because right now, and this kind of started with uh, Jeff Choate, the old defensive line coach who went to be the head coach at Montana State. He called them hockey shift style substitutions. So what they like to do is they like to shift them off in groups so that they, so that they could practice in groups so that they had a, a, the communication down so that they kind of knew each other's moves instinctively. And so obviously Tacky and, and, and Taki and Thule, are the top two guys because of their experience. But now you've got, you've got guys like Fatui Tuatele and, um, Jacob Bandis right behind him in another group. And then you've got the true freshmen coming together, early guys, like Scott said, and, and Kwapehopa and, um, and Voy Tunufi, who could also kind of be that next pairing. Now they also have another player coming in, true freshman in the fall, uh, Siosi Finau from Renton who could kind of play into this mix a little bit and offer up another uh, big body. You know, he's he's listed at 6'4", 280, but we've heard stories where even as early as a few months ago, he was more like three bills. So, um, you know, he's certainly extremely intriguing, but there's no doubt that um, that both Fatui Tuatele and, and Jacob Bandis need to move up now. They were, in the recruiting class you're talking about, Kim, they were literally the top two highest-rated recruits in that entire class. Um, Fatui Tuatele, if I remember correctly, is already in the Hawaii High School uh, Football Hall of Fame. And this is coming out of high school. I mean, this is how dominant he was at St. Louis. So, um, you know, they, they, they've got everything that it, that it need, that they need to, to make that jump. 
this spring, the one thing that has been kind of widely publicized about uh, Tuatele is that he had that injury his senior year where he kind of um, could have had, it was like the pec muscle, like the pectoral muscle in his chest. And it should have, he, he was going to either sit out the entire year and have surgery or just play through it because apparently it was determined that he couldn't injure it anymore, but it, you know, it was going to suffer, you know, he's going to suffer a, some strength issues and th- that kind of stuff. And he just decided to, to play through it. And I don't know what's really been able to be done at Washington since in order to kind of get this thing to heal, to allow him to get um, bigger and stronger. So I think that will obviously show itself too. We'll be able to see right. via the eye test on Wednesday how how much bigger and stronger he is, and see how he uh, and how he plays. So that's obviously a, a big storyline coming into this spring defensively. And Scott, everybody's looking for those pass rushers, and you can call them outside linebackers, bucks. I I still think they're defensive ends, but uh, Washington definitely has some guys that uh, have the ability to get to the quarterback. Oh my gosh! Well, they they just have a lot of bodies. You know, Ryan, Ryan Bowman isn't the most dynamic athlete in the world, but he's a natural pass rusher and he's pretty good at it. Gets pressure, doesn't always, uh, get a, get a sack, but will definitely get the quarterback off of his spot. Jeremiah Martin totaled three, 30 tackle, 30 sacks as a senior in high school, but then kind of got buried on the depth chart at Texas A&M and was never really able to show anything. What's he going to look like? You got, uh, you know, um, uh, Tupuola Fatui, uh, Zion Tupuola Fatui, who had seven sacks in four games last season. You have Savelle Smalls, who's a big play waiting to happen. I mean, he's got that quick twitch athleticism. You've got just a ton of guys, Leatu Latu, um, uh, Braylon Trice, J- Jordan Lolahea. You've got a waves of guys you can throw at, um, at the at the quarterback and as as pass rushers and what'll be real interesting is to see because for the last five years it's basically been managed by Pete uh, Kwiatkowski and now it's going to be Ikaika Malloy how is he going to be able to handle that but maybe it's a more natural position for him because I don't remember did he play inside or outside linebacker but whatever he played maybe it's uh, a little bit more natural for him to coach those positions so that's going to be real interesting to watch how they decide the rotation at at those spots because uh two years ago it was bowman and um someone else and then you had uh and then you had um layatu latu and zion as the backups and then this past year because ryan bowman went out uh with covid then you had savelle smalls in there as a starter opposite zion and those guys did really well getting after the quarterback but when it came to stopping the run they struggled so now what's it, what are those guys going to look like stopping the run and holding the edge? That's going to be a huge key for that defense. Chris, when you take a look at the uh, linebackers, there's a lot of talent there. You know, headlined by, uh, Eddie, I'll just call him Eddie, Eddie Hulafoscio, who led the conference in tackles and then Jackson Sermon, who played a lot. They don't play a lot of three linebackers. You know, your three standard linebackers. There's a lot of people envision playing in that four or three. But, you know, when you take a look at Jackson Sermon and who they have behind him, that's definitely a position that's loaded with talent and going to be real interesting to keep an eye on. Yeah, it was. And and, and last year was supposed to be the year that some of these redshirt freshmen were really going to get the opportunity over the course of a full season in order to show themselves. You know, guys like... Daniel Hamuli or, you know, uh, Mickey Ayu was, was still dealing with a little bit of rehab, but, you know, he was going to play as well in terms of his knees. Um, you know, you had, you had Josh Calvert who was also dealing with the same thing. 
You had Alfonso Tupatala, who was the only um, guy that actually played any as a true freshman the year before. And he played in a, a few games to be able to, to keep his red shirt. But in, in essence, the 2020 season was supposed to be, you know, in the grand scheme of things, the Washington staff was saying, we're recruiting so that by 2020, these guys are starting to break out. And then this spring is when they really were supposed to start to separate themselves and create the, the, the pecking order that you would normally establish with such a group of guys. But it, as it turned out, Kim, <laughs> only, uh, you know, Alfonso Tupatala is the only one that played in, in more than one game. The, out of that entire group of the of the redshirt freshmen, so as as highly touted as that group to, uh, was coming in, the the whole the whole pandemic and how the schedule turned out and only playing four games really messed up the whole um, kind of evolution of how this position group was going to go. But yeah, there's there's so much talent as Scott mentioned um, in this in this in this group overall. When you talk about both the outside and inside guys, it's just a matter of getting them turns. Uh, in this particular defense and the, and the way they want to run it with the, with the nickel and everything else. And by the way, I would say too that Akaika Malloy, uh, was a safety and an outside linebacker at Washington. So he should be very comfortable coaching the outside linebackers this spring. And you still got MJ Tafisi out there and then a freshman coming in from Texas who a lot of people just kind of rolled their eyes when they brought in Cooper McDonald, but he saw the, he saw the field quite a bit last year and, uh, really made some plays. Well, he played yeah. a few steps. Yeah, he was an outside, but he was an outside linebacker. Um, and the inside guys, for sure. You've got, you know, got Jackson Sermon, who I know caught a lot of grief. Um, but if you look at, you know, pro football focus is, you know, they do a pretty thorough job grading these guys out. And, um, you know, his tackling grade for the season for Jackson Sermon was almost 74. Um, and, and of course that pales in comparison with Ulafosio, who was, you know, almost 10 points higher. But Ulafosio was literally one of the highest graded inside linebackers in all of college football. I think he was like number three overall. Um, I think he was number one when it came to pass rush, for instance. So Ulafosio has turned out to be an incredibly special player for a, for a player that initially walked on. I mean, he is really, he is a true outlier in that sense. Um, but Jackson Sermon, I, I know he, like, like I said before, when you are lined up against, uh, or, or right next against a guy like Ulofosio, who was such a standout in every which way the game was played, he's not, he's just not gonna, he's not gonna stand up by comparison, right? Even if he's good. Right. And right. by all measures, Jackson Sermon was pretty good in 2020. I mean, he had 200, 210 total snaps, 74 pa- uh, tackle grade. He had a, a rush defense grade of, of almost 72 and a half. Um, where he suffered a little bit was in coverage. And, you know, that, that actually affected his overall defensive grade. Scott, I think that uh, Washington in a lot of circles is just really known for producing defensive backs and they are loaded and they brought more guys in. Um, they've, they've got a lot of guys. It's going to be interesting to see how that playing time is split up. They lose Elijah Molden, but it doesn't seem like they're going to be losing much in the defensive backfield. Yeah, and Keith Taylor. They lost both of those guys, and those guys were multi-year starters for the Huskies. But that being said, you know, they pick up uh, Bookie Radley from uh, Radley Hiles from uh, Oklahoma as a transfer. Brendan Radley Hiles played 32 of 37 possible games 
Uh, I'm sorry, started 32 of the 37 games he played in. Sorry about that. And, uh, you know, so he's got tons of experience. He'll come in, probably be the front runner to take uh, Molden's spot. And then what will be real interesting, it looks like Trent McDuffie. I know Jimmy Lake preaches competition. Even if you're a returning starter, you got to hang on to your spot. I still think, you know, I mean, I um, Trent McDuffie is the is the class of this of this group. But you got Kyler Gordon, who's widely considered the best athlete on the team, pound for pound. You've got uh, Dominic Hampton, who will battle him for playing time uh, to take uh, Keith Taylor's spot. You've also got Elijah Jackson and James Smith as two other uh, corner guys that that uh, can play. And Julius Servant can drop down and play some corner if you really need him to. So that'll be interesting to watch and see how things kind of develop. Kaysen Kinchin is another guy. He's a walk-on, but he's a guy who the coaches really like over that slot. And he could be um, a Miles Bryant kind of clone because he's about 5'10", 175, 180 pounds, really likes to be aggressive in the running game, can cover, uh, can do a lot of different things. So it wouldn't surprise me if he's in the mix. I think Radley Hiles is going to be your starter at, over the slot, but he'll have to keep uh, Kaysen Kinchin on that bench because he that kid really is pushing for playing time. Uh, you, you mentioned Kitchen, and uh, he's a walk-on, but uh... – Best hands of the room last year for fall ball. Yeah, so, he was. Yeah, yep. something to keep an eye on. And Chris, I think the guy that I'm expecting to have a breakout year that he's had a lot of playing time is Asa Turner. Yes, no doubt about it. Asa Turner is, is a kid that another another guy that I think was you know from time to time got uh, you know got criticized for whatever. I think a lot of it was probably in coverage. Um, because again, if you look at pro football focus, you look at his tackling grade, his run defense grades, they were all, I think his run defense grade was almost 76. His tackling grade was 82. Um, that's about as good as you can ask for as a safety in his second year. And he, he had the most snaps by far of any, uh, safety last year. He had over, over a hundred snaps more than the next nearest guy who was Alex Cook. So, you know, they're, they're going to count on him big time because it was really, in the four games they played last year, it was Asa Turner and then whoever else was rotating in. And Scott, I would say another, uh, just the one more name that, that you didn't add in, but I think could, uh, factor into this, whether it's at safety or corner, because he's, he's been playing both positions is, uh, Cameron Fabukalanen. Uh, he's got a chance and he's had some experience now. This should be uh, a breakout spring for a guy like that. Scott, was it best hands of the room? Was it Misha Powell or Case and Kitchen? It was, it, Michelle, it was Powell. Powell. Yeah. Yeah. Michelle that? Powell. Yep. My bad. Sorry about that. <laughs> but uh, No, it's okay. Well, I should have corrected you too, and I didn't, but uh, I was like, I don't think that's correct, so I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Is Dyson McCutcheon in for fall ball? No, no one's in. No no one's in. He'll, in the he'll be day. here for fall ball, but he's not here for oh, spring. I mean, yeah, spring he's ball. not here for spring. Yeah, none of the guys are. He he couldn't leave at those Jesuit schools, especially down in, in uh, California, you cannot leave early. They do not let you graduate early and leave. And the guy who also saw the field quite a bit last year, uh, converted wide receiver, Alex Cook, returns at, uh, you know, back there in the backfield. And as well as Cameron Williams, who's also seen a lot of playing time. So it'll be interesting to see if those guys can step up. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been thinking about it a lot what, what would really make a difference with this uh, defense and being able to stop the run a little bit more consistently like we've been used to over the past five, six years and a big, it's all going to be up the middle for the Huskies. They need better play from their defensive line, which I think they'll get 
They're, they need their middle linebackers to be better. I think they'll get that. The big key for me is the development at safety. And you guys already talked about Asa Turner. Um, I just didn't think he, I thought he was kind of lost when he, when he came, when he was playing in space. I didn't think that, that when it, when it came to taking on blockers and being physical in the running game, he was kind of just an empty suit out there. And, and I don't think that's him. I think he was thinking more than he was playing. And, um, he and Cameron Williams and Alex Cook, all three of those guys need to step up, play a lot better. I think you will see an improvement at those positions, uh, this spring, um, as they go through and this fall when it, and hopefully it carries over. And, and, uh, you know, Julius Irvin will be in the mix at safety too. And that's a guy who I know a lot of people want to see more, um, him get on the field a little bit more. And could Dominic Hampton, uh, end up playing some safety down in the box in the running game at 6'2", 220 pounds. Yeah, I do think that's a possibility too. So lots of moving parts, lots of bodies, and and the competition is just going to be ramped up at pretty much every position in the uh, on the defensive side of the ball this year. When you take a look at the specialists, uh, they all return. When you take a look at uh, Peyton Henry, who had a little bit of a down year after a spectacular year the year before, Race Porter coming back as the punter. They brought in a J.C. punter and Tristan Brown. Um, but uh, it looks like they're set, you know, in their specialists. And, and Tim Horn, who's got the big leg. Yeah, he. Did, I mean, they don't have anybody uh, that they lost as far as the kickers or punters. So there's no doubt that continuity there is going to pay dividends. Getting Russ, uh, Race Porter to come back for his final year is big because it's not just as a punter, but it's also as a holder. So they have, they have that kind of continuity as well. And then the return guys, you know, I know a lot of guys want to find out who's the next John Ross or who's the next Dante Pettis, but I think Trent McDuffie, you know, even though he had three returns in four games last year, he really flashed that punt return against Oregon State where he went straight up the field for like 45, 50 yards. That was that was huge. I mean, that showed that he has the potential to explode in the punt game. So I, I look at him, and then also another another name that might be in the mix for the punt return game. I think again, as good as he's been on special teams as a, as a gunner, as a guy who you know can can really field the coffin kicks and and can really pin teams down uh, late uh, or deep. Kyler Gordon, I think, might have a chance to, to return some punts as well this spring. So I'm kind of curious to see how that works out. And then with the kick return game, it's been kind of Sean McGrew the last four years. So I expect more of Sean McGrew. But uh, the other two guys that, that had kick returns last year, guys, Cameron Davis, Kamari Pleasant. Um, I, I don't know about Pleasant's options, but I think Cameron Davis could be an intriguing guy as a return specialist. So We'll see what happens uh, with the new guys. Like as Scott said, so many new guys coming in, there might be a guy or two that could that could explode onto the scene, and there might be a redshirt freshman out there that we never really got a chance to see that could also really show himself. So the return game is tough because in spring you just don't ever really see as much of it as you do uh, going into the fall when they really start to solidify uh, those places. But those are a few names that you can that you can look uh, check out. And the one name we heard a couple of times last year got off to a really rocky start. The guy whose name you don't want to hear, Jaden Green, was the pure freshman long snapper, and his first couple of snaps were a little shaky, to say the least. Well, his first one went went about 15 feet over Race Porter's head, but after that, I thought he was relatively solid uh, the rest of the way. Uh, sometimes it's just about getting those uh, jitters out, and and uh, it was also wasn't the conditions there pretty bad too. Uh, for yeah. that first snap. Yeah, no. Was... Oregon. So, so, you know, I mean, the, everything I've heard is he is a pro level 
long snapper and has that ability. So it'll be interesting to see how he continues to go. And Washington is looking at bringing in another long snapper too. So, uh, as a, uh, walk on. So, um, that's going to be an interesting competition once fall gets here, but, uh, it's Jalen Green's to lose at this point. Recruiting. There's a little bit going on. We'll touch bases with that when we return. It's the guys from dogman.com on dogman radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back. It's the guys from dogman.com. I'm Kim Reynolds along with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. Touch bases on recruiting. Just a reminder, if you're looking uh, as a non-subscriber to the front page, a lot of the good stuff is on the message boards, and uh, you'll want to take a look at the hardcore football, basketball, and recruiting. That's where all the good information is. But uh, we're running 50% off promo off your annual subscription, and then in addition to Having the subscription to dogman.com, you will always also get uh, CBS uh, Paramount Plus included in your subscriptions. So uh, lots of good stuff on that. But Scott, touching bases on recruiting, a uh, big offer went out last night to a, to a youngin, uh, a local guy. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, Jason Brown, uh, freshman running back from um, O'Day and um, looks a lot like Miles Gaston except – He's 5'10", 180, which is bigger than Miles Gaskin was uh, when he was a freshman. So maybe he's going to be a little bit bigger than him. But same kind of running style. Idolize Miles Gaskin and Savon Ahmed. I haven't put in a crystal ball. I know it's way, way early. Uh, Ryland Spencer put one in for, as an 8 for Washington. But uh, talking to him last night, and I'll have a story up at some point here in the next day or so. Um, man, this kid could not be more excited about getting an offer from the Huskies and, and, uh, he is, he is, uh, his parents were really kind of, kind of just, hey, it's just the beginning. We can't, <laughs> we can't give away too much right now. So, um, just, uh, be on the lookout for that. But yeah, talented kid can break some tackles, sees himself as the next Miles Gaskin, definitely. How good is he? He's good. I mean, Miles Gaskin was good, Kim. And if he sees himself that way, and I've seen some some things that made me think of Miles. Let's just put it this way: at O'Day, freshmen rarely play, much less start. And this kid started for them, so that should tell you something. Paul Arnold turned over in his grave. He didn't play at O'Day though. Uh, yeah, he did. I thought he was at Kennedy. No, he was at O'Day, and then he transferred to Kennedy. Okay, well, my bad. Yeah, but Paul's, he, Paul's not dead either, so let's yeah. be very, <laughs> very clear about that. Yeah, but but I mean, the, you, freshmen just don't. It doesn't happen very often. I mean, Miles Gaskin wasn't even a full time starter until he was a junior. I think Paul. And, I think and, Paul averaged seventeen yards a carry, but he only got set six carries a game. Yeah. Day. So. Yeah. I saw a picture of um, uh, Jason Brown uh, side by side with with not only Miles Gaskin, but also with Savon Ahmed. Um, if you just go by those pictures alone, you'd say that Jason Brown's basically like an inch shorter than Miles Gaskin, at least in terms of a recent photo. But he does look like he's probably going to be a little thicker. 
And I don't know. I mean, I've seen some of the highlights. Speed is definitely there. I don't know if he's at Miles Gaskin speed. Um, that would be interesting to break, to break down, but, uh, definitely look. I mean, if you're looking for a guy that's really close in terms of size and, and, and what he does on the field. Yeah. There's, there's a lot to compare between, uh, Miles Gaskin and a guy like Jason Brown. Hey, Scott, you know, with fans being able to go to practices, there's a little bit more going on below the surface. Why does that have an impact on recruiting? Because you can actually have recruits there. Now, they can't be hosted by the coaches. They can't interact with the coaches or any uh, UW staff at all. But they can be there, and they can watch practice. They can watch how things go. They can watch, see the atmosphere around things. They can, they can see a lot of really cool things. So, um, I don't think you're going to see a ton of out of state guys come up, but I will, I wouldn't be surprised to see one or two in the stands that are top prospects for Washington. But all the local guys have told me if things open up and they allow people to come in for practices that they're planning to be there. So we're talking Josh Connerly, Dave Iuli, um, we're talking, um, some of these younger guys, uh, Javinsky Schlembacher wants to get down and make it. So expect Washington to host a lot of guys. You might be able to see them in the stands with you. Um, if, 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 uh, you come to a practice. So it, it should be kind of fun to see what players and it'll be kind of nice to see which players are going to be able to be on campus. Yeah. Well, they can interact with the recruits. They can sure say, uh, at this time, Look here. This is what we're doing. This is how we see you fitting. Or they could FaceTime them. Why couldn't they FaceTime them? Sure, they can. Yeah, just have one of the assistants have a FaceTime going while they're running. Oh, they get running drills. They get creative. Yeah, they they will definitely get creative. Uh, Tell us a little bit more. Any other tidbits out there on recruiting, Scott? Um, Well, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, we could see some movement here on the transfer portal, which I'm considering as a recruiting aspect because these guys are available players. So keep an eye out for that here in the next couple days, maybe next week um, or so as a transfer guy. Um, You can also expect I think we're going to see a commit at least one commit here by before the end of the month. We'll see. It might not happen, but uh, I think I think some, things are getting close on a couple of their targets, and one in particular, an in-state kid. I think you could see him pop here pretty soon. But otherwise, you know, the numbers are going to be about the same. Fifteen to seventeen guys is probably what we're looking at in the 2022 class. Washington is definitely keeping their eyes peeled on the transfer portal on guys that they might be interested in. So definitely keep an eye out for those things. I'll be running blogs. Um, pretty regularly, maybe not weekly, but definitely try to at least every 10 to 14 days get you guys a blog and, and update you on where things are at. There's going to be a ton of visits in, in June. You're going to see camps happen in June. That's when things are really going to pick up because uh, we'll see a lot of these kids taking visits. Um, right now, it's not looking like unofficial or official visits are going to happen, so they're probably all going to be unofficial visits. Um, during the month of June and that um, official visits will be pushed off until the fall. But we'll have to wait and see how that all shakes out. Going to be really, really busy here over the next couple months. 
not only football, but there's some basketball stuff going on as well. Jen Cohen, University of Washington, announced the hiring of Tina Langley as the new women's coach who had an exceptional record down at Rice, really turned that program around. I know there's a lot of excitement, uh, you know, from the Seattle basketball community, you know, about this hire. So, uh, you know, look for, you know, you know, something interesting coming out soon with Tina Langley as the new, uh, coach for the women's basketball team. As far as men's basketball, nothing really to update on the coaching front where they're expecting to have a replacement for Cameron Dollar at some point. I think we still may be a little bit a ways um, away on that. And a lot of that could be depending on the personnel that they bring in. And I'm expecting um, something to pop on personnel wise with bringing another player in in the next day or two. So definitely keep an eye on that and we'll make sure and keep you guys up to speed. Chris Fetters, anything, anything last minute to add before we wrap this up? Um, no, just look for uh, heights and weights to be updated. Um, you know, as we get closer to spring, I know the roster is kind of being continuously updated on Go Huskies. So we keep track of that. Um, there's been some new walk-on names that have been added, and so we'll dig into that and see uh, what they're all about. Mostly defensive backs, mostly skill guys, receivers, and the like. I don't really see any linemen that have been added. Um, so, yeah, it's just super, super exciting. And uh, can't wait to see uh, how these things uh, progress as we go because the quarterback battle is what everyone's going to want to talk about, especially with uh, Sam Heward in the mix. But uh, there's going to be so many other position battles that are going to be really, really intriguing. And I'm super, super pumped that the fans get to go watch these things because as much as we want to talk about it and, and, and share our observations and our insights, it's so great when the fans do because then they also get a chance to see maybe if they agree with us or disagree with us. And and so that'll be fun to, to, to hammer out on the message boards too. So this, I think the whole spring is, is, is going to be a fantastic way for fans to reconnect with the program uh, because of the shortened year last year and uh, to really gear up for a big 2021. Scott, any last minute thoughts? No, not really. I mean, other just excited to get back out to some sort of normalcy and, and watch some practice and, and see how things go. Um, looking forward to talking to more people than just one coach and one player after practice. So that'll be fun too. And, uh, like Chris said, great that the fans get to go and see, get a little hyped up. Please remember that you guys cannot come on our message boards and describe formations and plays and all that different stuff. Those will be deleted, but uh, you guys can definitely share what you thought of uh, different guys and what they look like and things like that. So excited uh, to get this all started and, and um, yeah, and it, it's just, it's nice to get football back, back in uh, the front of everybody. Just a reminder, if you're looking for those um, daily updates as well as breaking news alerts, and we are expecting breaking news over the next few days on a couple of different fronts, just shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter. We will get those out to you. Again, uh, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter. We'll get to those daily updates pretty much most of the uh, throughout most of the year, and the big thing is to get those breaking news alerts when there's a commit, a coaching change, or anything that's really relevant to University of Washington. We'll get you those breaking news alerts. And again, one more time, if you're sharing your password with one of your buddies, tell them to get their own account. It's a good time to do it with the uh, you know half off of the annual subscription and getting the Paramount Plus as uh, as a freebie along with that. So. Hey, for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eckland. Go dogs.
ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.